Hi, everyone. Welcome to the fourth workshop in Afrowave virtual workshop series. Um, this week, we're going to be looking at artist management. My name is Karis. I run point for operations here at Afrowave TO. Uh, just a little bit about me. I am an artist. I started out solely on the creative side of things. Um, and then I went to study music business at Harris Institute. And from that, have kind of gotten opportunities to uh, immerse myself in the business side of things, um, which kind of led me to Afroweave here. Um, and that's a little bit about me. I'll be moderating this panel as well as the panels for the upcoming week. Just a little bit about Afrowave. I know if you've been on, you've heard this a hundred times, um, but for those who aren't aware of what Afrowave is, it's a new music initiative that we started um, primarily for artists who operate within the genres of reggae, reggaeton, soca, uh, dancehall, those genres that we term here culturally driven sounds. Um, the whole initiative was started by Lexicon, who is a Toronto-based artist um, who does dancehall. A lot of people on, I think, will probably have heard about him at least once. Um, so through his work and through trying to find resources for himself, he realized that there was this void of a lack of resources for artists within those genres and also um, representation for them on panel discussions and uh, workshops. And so he wanted to bridge that gap and that's how Afrowave was born. Uh, I wanna thank everyone for joining on. And just to our attendees, feel free to ask questions throughout. We will have an official quest, um, question and answer period at the end of the discussion around seven. Um, so if you wanna save your question until then, that's okay. Just click the Q&A uh, button at the bottom of your screen and you can type your question there. Um, but feel free to send in the chat as well. If it's something that's really pressing, we'll throw it out to the panelists and have them answer for you. Uh, so our panelists today are Katrina Lopez and Troy Harmon. I'm just gonna have them tell us a little bit about themselves. Their official bios are on the Eventbrite page if you do wanna go for more information afterwards. So Katrina, do you wanna start us off? Sure. Um, my name is Katrina. I manage recording artists. I have my own company named KL Management. Uh, I manage Sean Desmond, an artist named Tika, who some people may be familiar with. Um, I also manage an artist in Spain named Saul Escobar and Kayla Diamond, who's a pop artist. Um, I'm originally from Nova Scotia, so I moved to Toronto to uh, make it in the music biz, and I've been here ever since. Oh. Awesome. So hey guys, hey world, how everyone who's out there listening, my name is uh, Troy Harmon. I am the general manager, um, CEO of X10 Entertainment. As you guys might know right now, I'm managing the artist Patrick, who's a downtown artist here in um, Toronto. He's moved out to Montreal now, as well as um, I'm a manager to uh, a new artist that I'm working with, 1K Grizzy. Um, he's another artist that we're working with on our platform right now at the moment. Um, we've just signed a distribution deal with Coalition Music as uh, being a 50-50 partnership that we're working with in, in regards to enhancing our company brand and our artists as well. Nice. Actually, um, met, I found out about X10 while I was at Harris. Um, through Remy? Yeah, through Remy, yes, yes. Yeah. So, so 
that's our sales and marketing. Yeah. 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 All right. So I just want to start off by asking you how you got started in artist management, particularly. Anyone is interested in going first? You, I could go first. No worries. So (laughs) funny story is um, actually me and Patrick, uh, we went to the same university um, we played on the same basketball team and uh, he was kind of leaving the basketball thing behind and he started uh, wanting to become, you know, following his music career, his path. So he had actually a big show um, at university and I just went there and I came to go see him. And it was actually, it was, it was, it was crazy just to see his turnout. I was more so, I, I just went there for support and then Patrick had came to me, you know, on the ones and he was like, hey, I'm looking for some management. So it was kind of like I just dove into the rabbit hole and kind of tried to figure out the whole artist management thing. Right. It wasn't something that I was really keen or looking towards into doing. But, you know, we created a partnership and here we are. We've been doing this for the past, you know, seven years, just building our brand. Nice. So this is probably going to predate a lot of people on this. Um, So back in the day, there is a a DJ crew called Baby Blue Sound Crew. No, they're big, big, major. (laughs) So my cousin was one of the members of Baby Blue Sound Crew. So, um, and they had a hard time when they got signed to Universal and they were doing their events and kind of stepping up their, their game. Um, the eastern, like the eastern, eastern Canada, because I was still living in Nova Scotia at the time. So I started by doing like promo and throwing parties. So I started, I did the um, CD release parties for Baby Blue Sound Crew. Then I started bringing in other DJs to Nova Scotia, like starting from scratch, um, some other DJs from Montreal, and then I knew I wanted to get into management just because all the DJs I was working with were telling me I should should get into it because I was pretty good at it. Um, So I moved to Toronto to explore that. uh, And I got my first job at a booking agency. And my intent there was I wanted to meet a lot of people in a short amount of time. And like at a booking agency, there's like tons of, I wanted to either work for like a big concert promoter or uh, which at that time, again, predating was like, I think House of Blues or Clear Channel. <clears throat> but I ended up, and it started out as a booking agent, met a ton of people, a ton of artists who I still have relationships with today. And from there, I started um, interning with Lisa Zabitnew at BMG. And then she introduced me to different artists. So that's actually how I first got introduced to Sean because he had, she had signed Sean Desmond to Vic Recordings. Um, yeah, so that's how I got started. I was working with him before I started my own management company. Mm-hmm. And then 10 years ago, almost to today, I started my management company. Nice. Congratulations. <laughs> Big milestone. <laughs> uh, so uh, the next question I do want to ask is, what does your role look like today? So, you know, you told us about how you started, um, kind of what it looks like back then. Um, what does your role look like today, especially in 2020 <laughs> with all that's happened? I could go first. No worries. No problem. So my day-to-day role is more so I'm overseeing stuff now, right? I've kind of, I'm 
not really in like the manager role anymore. We've built a team for our artists. So more so it's me following up, whether it would be with, you know, Sean Thomas, our president or Remy, our sales and marketing guy, or Mm -hmm. me reaching out to Patrick, you know, once a week just to see where his head's at or, or, or what's our next move in terms of our rollout for projects or, 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 or information or, or where we want to push our brand and, and, and how to go about that. Right. So it's a lot of like meetings day to day. I've kind of taken myself out of like the, what would I say? The artistic approach now. And I'm more so just doing the management side of things, like just the day to day, the business, um, running through my team, just making sure that everything is running well uh, in regards to that. And before your team, what what did that look like before you were just overseeing things? Before it was like me sending out hundreds of emails, um, you know, trying to get on websites, you know, trying to get publishing, um, reaching out to maybe people that um, influencers, a lot of that, you know, a lot of that. And and I remember um, when I first started with Patrick, I probably sent out 100 emails to get him on his first blog. Right. So I don't want to do none of that stuff anymore. That's why, you know, so we have Rebby. Rebby takes care of all of that stuff. He's really good at what he does. And then he'll run it by me and say, hey, is this good? And I'll be like, yeah or nay. OK, that makes sense for us. Let's 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 move towards that. Yeah. Well, yeah, at, at the start, it was very hands on, hands on approach, making sure that I'd have to follow up with this person to get him a show. Um this person to get him on like a hip-hop site or or a blog yeah so it was a lot of that at the start I'm, I'm grateful for the team that I have for sure sounds good Katrina um I mean I think the what's changed most for me just right now in like this 2020 where twilight zone we're living in um <laughs> is like before it, live shows took up a lot of my time and definitely my entire summer. Mm -hmm. Um, So like planning tours, um, festivals, showcasing festivals, travel, I mean, and just travel, international travel. Um, So now I think because that huge revenue chunk is gone, um, we've been focusing mostly on brand partnerships and music sync placements. So like our shift has totally changed from like for, from a revenue standpoint. Um, and it's the first time where all of my clients have music in market at the same time. So it's been a bit crazy because usually it's like, there might be two of them might have something in market at the same time or they might all have something in market, but be at different, like at the end, someone might be at the end of their cycle and someone might be at the beginning of the cycle. It just organically tends to work that way when there's other stuff happening, like live shows and festivals and travel and touring. But now, um, yeah, it's like, so I have found it more chaotic in terms of releases. Um, And then also shooting video, trying to shoot everything in advance because like, so for one of my artists, we have a bunch of video, we have a bunch of singles rolling out, but we weren't sure because of COVID what yeah. would be in second phase two, like what would be happening right now, which was, and I'm thankful that we did shoot everything. We basically shot everything when, when, when um, things opened up in August. Oh. Um, so yeah, so just like trying to think ahead, trying to like navigate. Um, I've also been focusing a lot on my international relationships with like, cause you, I mean, we're right here on Zoom 
Like that's yeah. my life right now. Yeah. <laughs> <My> life is <laughs> reality right now. <laughs> but I have found like, even though I haven't been able to travel because everyone is so much more open to Zoom. Yeah. Like I've actually really been able to nurture a lot of my international relationships because, pe because people are available and open to just hop on a Zoom. Whereas before people would be like, hop on a Zoom. Why would like, I? Well, why? Why? Skype? <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so how about you uh troy for your team COVID and just like the time that we've been living in i know that's changed a lot for a lot of people um even for myself as an artist i think um being kind of stuck at home <laughs> having to rethink the way that you promote yourself and everything what does the work for your team look like now what are you uh focusing on during this time to be honest, um, I know a lot of people might think that this is crazy, but I think COVID was like, you know, one of the better things that happened to, you know, our team and, and, and what's been going on. Because right now, if you look at the game, most of the artists that are signed where they make their money is off of touring and merch and getting out there, right? Um, a record label probably owns maybe 80% of your masters, right? So yeah. we've been here right now just putting out music. We got a TikTok placement um, actually the other day. It was aired on the NBA Finals. And we've done this by a company on our own. So we own our masters. We own our publishing. And that's very important for us now, right? So when we're delegating with a lot of calls, a lot of people are looking at us like, how are you guys able to do that right now um, in, in, in regards to that? And you're not signed to a major label, right? And that just comes with great teamwork um, in, in regards to our situation right now. We're so happy for Patrick that, you know, he was able to do that. And we're still able to get most of the revenue share without, you know, splitting with a label or a label walking us through that portal for like sync management, as uh, Katrina said, because that's where most of the money is going to start to come from now until we get over this COVID situation, right? Where, whether it's, you know, like Netflix placements, commercials, these are where as an artist, you're going to want to get your music because, you know, we're not able to tour as of yet, as well as I'm guessing, you know, until those other major companies build a platform for like virtual touring, you know, we're, we're, we're at this point right now where sync placement is it, right? You want to get brand partnership deals. That's what you want to do and build for your artists, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, sales is still out there, right? That That's what exists, you know, in the music industry right now. It's not the touring aspect as much. So day-to-day, um, -day, that's all we're looking for right now is, um, you know, we want to make sure that we're, we're getting our songs as, um, out as much, you know, sync placements as possible major brands because you know the pay is actually good it's a it's a great pay and um you know that's very important to us for for our artists right now at the moment as well as artist development too we want to make sure that you know you're building up your spotify you're building up your apple music right because once you have that leverage it's easier to deal with these people at the major labels so you know they're not taking you for a ride you know in in, in regards to you know your paperwork and your situation sounds good i think too uh one thing that i've noticed because every once in a while like as an artist on instagram i'll get a message hey and my username we've started this new thing blah, blah, blah. i have gotten 
so many of those messages <laughs> over the last couple of months. I think too that the landscape is shifting um, for like new startups that allow for placements and so on. I think people have been forced to look at things differently. So there's so many different initiatives that are coming up now. I had uh, one organization reach out to me about, um, it's almost like a residency. So literally like you go on this site and you play live, but it's really regular. Um, I think they're called sessions. So you get paid for doing it live, but it's kind of the same way you'd have a residency at a, a venue. Um, so I think it's really interesting to see how that shift is happening and the opportunities I think that are opening up for independent artists as well. Um, like you were saying, like not going through that labor route and having these opportunities. Um, so I think, and I, I've heard your opinion echoed amongst like a lot of artists too, in terms of COVID benefiting them in, in the way of them being able to get more musical or to shift their focus on what they're putting out there and the kind of brand that they want to put out there as well. Um, just to know, I know if noticed that we've frozen a couple times. If we do uh, have a case where the call drops or we lose a panelist or you lose me, um, we'll just come back in and try to get everything started and continue the conversation for attendees and panelists as well. Um, so next thing I wanted to go on to is challenges in your role. So this is COVID or no COVID. What are some of the things that you face in um, your role as an artist manager or in your case, Troy, like overseeing the management of an artist? What was, uh, you said, what were like some of the problems? Yeah, what are some of the challenges in your role as a manager, whether before when you uh, didn't have a team as big as the one that you do have now, um, challenges that you face now, even COVID out of the, the equation, what are some of those challenges as a manager? For sure. Uh, well, some of the challenges is, you know, when you're dealing with a, a group of people, right, everybody kind of has their own say or own approach, mm -hmm. um, especially dealing with artists, right? Artists are more the creative type, right? Where my, my mindset, people more call me the suit, <laughs> yeah. you know? So when I'm dealing with my artists, I'm, I'm, I'm always telling them like, look, we need to have an approach when we're dropping music, you know, or a rollout, which is music terminology. You want to make sure that, you know, you're doing the best for your artists, right? Um, I try to stay a little bit more out of the creative approach, as I've told you before, and it's more on the management side than I'm looking at things, right? So mm -hmm. some of the problems may be, you know, hey, I want to drop this song, but I'm like, hey, this song is, you know, you might want to build up towards this song as opposed to dropping it right now. That's a lot of things with a lot of artists that I'm dealing with as well, too. Every artist I deal with, they go record a song and then they just want to go drop it right away. Can't do that. You need yeah, a platform. On the road, yeah. you reconsider yeah. your you excitement about it. It doesn't matter how good your song is, how great your song yeah. is. If you drop it and there's no one listening or there's no platform or there's no marketing towards the song, mm -hmm. that's that's a wasted shot. You don't want to waste your shots on good songs, right? And there's yeah. a process. You want to make sure that your song is fully mastered, you know, as well as you, you if you if it's a song that you really believe with as an artist, you, you should go out and really figure out, hey, how do I get the rights to this song, right? Like, meaning that, you know, I, I, I don't want to lease the beat. I want to make sure that I own the rights to this song. So if someone comes to me and says, hey, we believe in this song, you're like, hey, I already own the rights to this song. Mm -hmm. um, 
how much money do you want for it? Right. As opposed to someone saying, okay, well, we'll buy the rights to the song for you. And then, you know, we'll give you a percentage, maybe five points out of a hundred, right. Those are very important things that artists need to know. That's what I like teaching to artists. I don't like, you know, it's very important to, I know that you want to work on your craft as an artist, but you have to know certain things in the music business. So as I said, someone doesn't take you for a ride. And then you receive a paycheck and it's five dollars, right? And and someone's yeah. owning all of your music. Um, yeah. but in regards to like the day-to-day problems, like now that we've partnership with a label, there's a lot going on to like, you know, in regards to calls, whether it be Apple Music, Spotify. And you always have to be sharp as a manager. You have you always have to be on your toes because you know the role is always changing, right? As Katrina said, you know, building international relationships or just making sure that, you know, you're doing the best by your artists, right? Which is very important uh, in regards to that. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I would echo everything that Troy just said in terms of um, having a strategy and, and artists and, and wanting to get something out now, right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> strategy around it, leading up to it. Um, but the biggest challenge for me as a manager is, um, like not allowing my artists uh, emotions, I guess, kind of like try, like being a steady kind of rational, um, I don't know the right word to express this here. Um, just like a steady, like, and, and so, because I'll just give you an example, it's easier. So like artists will often like, if, because it's their art and it's part of them that they've put out in the world. And let's say it's not hitting, like it's not reacting at radio the way they wish it was reacting at radio or they're not getting the press that they wish that they were getting. And then they're going to come and like, well, how come they're not doing this? How come this isn't happening? How come you got to call this? And like in my early years, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like how, should I be calling down radio people and yelling at them about this? Or should I be doing this? Like, because because their emotions, it's it's hard. It's same with their excitement too, right? Like when things go well, it's it's easy to get caught up in their emotion too. But so the challenge for me has been to always be that like steady person that like can bring them down to like reality yeah. and not not fall into not let not that their emotion like sweep up the, the whole team and because um, because it, it can happen. Not even just to me. It, you have to like that shit can spread fast on a tour bus. <laughs> like when you're a bunch of people in a small place, like one person has an emotion and everyone else kind of, it's, it's like, it, it's, it just can catch, right? Which is great when it's a positive and, you know, emotion that we're celebrating, but so it's something you really have to navigate well. I see that we do have a question. It's actually one of the questions that I will get to shortly. Um, I'm just gonna fix my lighting. So we will enter that in a few minutes, says Anonymous, but it's a question about self, about managing yourself as an artist. Uh, so just letting that person know that we'll get to that shortly. Um, so just playing off that, Troy, you did mention about owning um, rights and those opportunities that come along, you want to be able to, to have a smoother conversation. Um, we have a saying amongst my music friends, the more you own, the more you earn. Um, so do you, I know we have a lot of independent artists on, do you mind just briefly going into um, just kind of what that process looks like in terms of you creating something and then having that? For sure. So 
even not to just step back to the point where, where Katrina was talking about, a lot of you, like our artists, if you know who's listening here, yes, you guys jump the gun so quick. Even my artist, 1K Grizzy, he's, you know, he just turned 20 years old. Sometimes I sign online and I'll see him drop a song and I'm like, buddy, what are you doing? We don't even have the marketing budget ready. We don't have, we haven't even been able to get you on a blog placement, nothing like that. This is the steps that you have to take to actually really work a record, right? But I understand that you guys really love the music. It's near and dear to you. But then you'll come back to the manager like, hey, where's the traction? And I'm like, listen, you didn't take the necessary steps. It's a process to build towards to where you need to go, right? Which is very important. Now, to your question now, I'm very big on independent. I'm very big on independence, right? Um, I'm very big on you should own at least, you know, half of your music or as well as you should be putting, you know, money into your craft, right? Um, it shouldn't work where I'm just putting up all this money and then, you know, you're not putting money into your craft because then I... I should have a bigger ownership because I'm taking, I'm the one that's taking all the risk. Right. So what I truly try to uh, break down to artists, everyone laughs at me in my, my group chat that we're in. I'm like, you know who my favorite artist is and, and they'll all tell me, Oh, it's Russ. Right. And I tell them, look, before you guys even want to deal with, you know, a major and, and, and jump into the big leagues, mm -hmm. you should already have a catalog of maybe of a hundred to 300 songs where you're making, money off of that catalog so you you own that catalog that's 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 your revenue because when you start dealing with majors you only get one shot right you know if your album doesn't do well your singer doesn't do well you're shelved mm -hmm. and then you're in a problem for, you're, you're in a problem like i can't release no more music because you signed away your intellectual property mm -hmm. to this this company right so you'll see a lot of artists that are unhappy because it's, hey, how am I, how am I going to make music? How am how I'm going to survive? So my, my main thing with my artists is I, I love to educate them on, hey, if this is a real song that you really believe in, let's reach out to the person who, who, who made the beat for you so, you know, we could pay them yeah. so that we own it so that when we take it to radio or when we take it to, a, you know, a sync placement or we get it on TV or we get it on Netflix, we know that most of that money is coming back to us. Right. That that initial investment that we made, which is so important for artists. Right. Um, what I would say is because a lot of artists, you know, they're 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 young, you know, you're 19, 20, you're sitting down with a pr an established person and they're telling you, OK, well, you know, here, we'll give you five thousand dollars for all your rights or ten thousand dollars. And then you make a song and it grows ten million dollars or no, a million dollars. And then you're like, hey, I didn't see no money back on that because you already we already gave you the initial upfront price for for your masters. Right. So I always preach that I always preach before you even deal with a record label, you should have at least 100 to 300 songs on any platform soundcloud youtube um spotify um apple music and you know that you own the rights to that music so you're making money off of your back back catalog before you deal with the majors because you know it's it's a very dangerous game when you start dealing with those kind of people and you're not performing right this is two words as Ice Cube, when I always deal with all of my artists, I tell them two words you need to understand about this industry, music, business. 
don't get it twisted. It's a business. Yeah. If I'm putting up money and I'm investing in you and I don't recoup my money back, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. And I think it's, it's ironic that you should say that. That's one thing we've had echoed for the last three workshops. It's that um, trying to drill into artists that they are a business, um, not just an individual that's creating art. But if you want to do this professionally, that there you have to treat it like a business. Um, I know we want to stick to the artist management side of things. If you are interested in hearing more about rights and royalties and contracts, we do have a workshop on that coming up on November 10th. Um, so you can join in for that one as well. Um, so there, there is a lot <laughs> that's involved in managing artists and there are a lot of artists on, I know, um, that manage themselves. Uh, what are some of the recommendations, advice that you can give for these artists in terms of hitting as many of those points as possible on their own? Uh, so like if you manage yourself as, yeah. as a, as a, yeah, what are, what are some of your recommendations and your tips and tricks? <laughs> um, so the, the main thing about being an independent artist, what I would say is remember it's a, it's a do it yourself kind of approach, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're an artist and you're managing yourself, main thing that's important is you need to, uh, have your database, right? Build your database for your connections, whether it's your video guy, it's your, your engineer, your, your master person, like build your own book of business, right? Um, I, I know that you could reach out to Spotify cur curators as well, too, to get on certain playlists and those things. Mm -hmm. In the music industry, when you're an independent person, you want to build those connections, right? You want to build those lasting connections when you're dealing with, with people in, in your industry. It's very important to, to do that until you get to a point where you feel like, hey, I'm getting some traction here. Maybe I want to have someone take over the day-to-day -day because, you know, it, it, it gets exhausting, right? You know, sending multiple emails out to people, dealing with a lot of rejection. You, you know, you just want to focus on your craft, but you have to get to that certain point where you're able to reach out to someone maybe such as myself or, or, or Katrina. Um, but I would say the main thing is build your database, build your database and, and, and always make sure that you're reaching out to those connections. Um, you never know who someone knows, um, which is very important. And, and you got to make sure that, you know, you're always reaching out to different people just to, you know, walk you through different port, different portals in, in this in industry. It's very important. Katrina, any thoughts? Um, yeah, I would say, I mean, in addition to that, um, to automate as many things as you can, because oh, if yeah. it's just you doing everything, you're going to forget things and be overwhelmed. Um, so even if it's just having your release strategy that you're consistently repeating, like obviously the marketing is going to change, mm -hmm. but like don't recreate the wheel every time. If you have like a strategy, if you have your your timeline you know that this is when you have to get this done you know that you're and it helps your team like if you have like troy was saying if you have your content creator they know that this is when the videos drop it this is the, the singles drop in so they know that they're good this is gonna have to come to the pipeline just mm -hmm. automate as many things as you can sounds good and katrina when i think this is a question that we did have posted um how does that begin for an artist in terms of seeking professional help with that. I've heard, oh, you shouldn't wait to be approached. I mean, you should wait to be approached. 
um, or people will approach you when you have enough noise going on um, or buzz surrounding you. But then there's also been, you know, when you get to a point, if you think you have something, but you're not managing the day to day, then feel free to reach out. Um, what is your opinion on, on that for artists seeking management? I mean, I don't think you should wait for a manager to come to you. Um, unless that's part of your strategy for some reason, I'm not gonna knock someone's strategy. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I don't always know every, everything that's going on. I don't always know who doesn't have management. So I'm not, I can't spend all of my time only like seeking art, unless there's like a gap in my roster, I'm usually not looking yeah. for talent. So like everyone, with the exception of Sean, all the talent that I've signed since then has come to me. So like, I'm totally open to people. And I think it's important to establish a relationship with a manager. Like, cause just because someone re you reach out to them doesn't mean they're gonna sign you right away. But like, now you're on my radar. So mm -hmm. I'll, you know, when I see you doing things, I'll follow you on Instagram. I'll, I can see how you're, mm -hmm. like your work ethic. I can see the trajectory of your career. I can see how things are going. I think that's important because I think, you don't want just any other manager as well. Like your manager has to be aligned with who you are and what your values are. So there needs to kind of be that period of time where you're, where you're both sort of getting to know what each other does and, and, and who each other is. So I personally think that yeah. starting off that relationship or like not too early. Like I think if you don't have any music, don't bother reaching out to me. Yeah. You'd be surprised how many people do this. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not recorded, but um I think a good gauge is that you have some releases you have some traction you're not sure how to level up your game you have some revenue you're maybe probably not making a living as an artist yet but like you do have some things that are generating revenue that someone can then take yeah. and make it bigger I think if you're not in the stage yet where, you, where you're even generating revenue then you probably don't need a manager yet Troy any thoughts yeah, uh, you know, for me, like my approach is uh, a little bit different. What well, it's same as Katrina's. Like me, I'm always looking, right? But mostly, how most of my artists or people work out with me is like word of mouth, like you said, or mm -hmm. people have seen what I've done for for Patrick, and then they're like, okay this is, um, you know, an opportunity that I want to take. But like, as you, you're right, um, what Katrina said, like, don't waste my time and, and I don't want to waste your time, right? If you're not there yet, you know, you shouldn't really be reaching out for someone to manage you. But if the talent is there, I rather work with an artist that 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 is, um, that isn't really, they're not there yet because, you know, you're dealing with a lot of egos in this business, right? Like me, I like to really nurture a lot of my artists, build from the ground up, grassroots, you know, see their first placement and, and, and whether it be their first sponsorship. Those are things that are like important to me, right? Because when you when you build it on family ties, it's a, it's a little bit easier as opposed to just, you know, okay, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big star or, or a person thinks they're a star and then like manage me like I don't I don't want to deal with those headaches I'd rather build with someone from the ground up so um, like how Katrina said we know each other's personalities we know each other's tendencies we, we've been in the war room together and and we've seen your process grow from you know getting a thousand streams to 10,000 to 50,000 to 100,000 to a million right so mm -hmm. that's that that's the the thing that I would say is, is 
you got to take your time when you're looking for a man and you want to look for the right person too. And I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of artists, when they reach out to, you know, someone like Katrina or myself, they're looking to take the next step. And it's not just management. They're looking for funding as well, too, right? They, they're looking for someone that could put them in those right channels to get their song to sound better or to get them a placement on, on radio or, or for us to use our contacts, you know, for them to get them on TV, things of that nature. But you got to build, right? I, I've learned a lot with music. It's a process. And you can't rush the process, even with management. Like I, it took me a while to get here, like um, reading different books or looking at some of the top music execs in the industry, figuring out their approach. So yeah. don't rush your don't rush your process when you know you're becoming an artist, right? You have to take the necessary steps yeah. to understand to build your platform, and then be grateful with your platform as well, too. Um, yeah. And how do you know when an artist is a good potential client for you? What are some of the things that you do look out for from the get-go? For me, to be honest with you, I just need the music to hit hard. If the music slaps, I don't care if you got 500 or, or 800 followers, I'll get you there because the music is good and we got a good network of people, right? That's That's the most important thing. But I got to see as well, too, that you're investing into your craft, right? So whether it's, hey, I'm putting money up for record studio time, which is very expensive. Um, I'm putting up money for blog placements. Um, I'm putting up money maybe to uh, pay to get on a bigger platform to do a show. This shows me that you're serious and you want to put the work in to getting, um, you know, where you need to go as an artist, right? I'm not just going to work with someone because they tell me like, like, Hey man, I'm dope. Or, you know, my music is great. Like, no, no, I can't do that. You got to really grind and put some hours into this to building yourself up as an artist. Like it's so important for that because if you do get to that point, you know, quickly, like a one hit wonder, or you haven't gone through the gauntlet of performing, you know, in front of 50 to five people, you know, when you get that main shot, when you're on a main platform and you don't perform, it's hard to come back from that, you know, as an artist. Katrina, what about you? How do you know when someone's a good potential client for you? Um, I mean, I think all of those things, I mean, talent is first and foremost. I think your work ethic is mm -hmm. probably right up there because you can have all the talent and if your work ethic is not isn't 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 there then it's going to be a waste of both of our time mm -hmm. um and then to troy's point as well that you're investing in yourself and your art uh for me your live show is really important um that might change i don't know where we are in the world in terms of live music <laughs> but um thus far that has been a huge part of my strategy and how i can sell an artist to a cold market so like internationally um so live shows are like is really important uh mm -hmm. to me um and then just like values alignment and like do we have the same like I guess two things one like do you have realistic expo expectations of the trajectory of your career like how quickly do you think things will happen like I'm all for having big dreams I think yeah. you should have a big goal but like if you want to reach that goal in a month then we're probably not going to be a good fit like so what are your expectations um and then um yeah, I guess those are the main thing. And then, like I said, just values alignment, just that like 
where I, I always look at management, it's like a marriage. So like, I really have to like you, you have to like me, I have to kind of like the people in your world, like, not all of them, but like, who's your like, are you married? Do you have a significant other? Like, who is that person? Like, those things matter, because not who they are, but I just mean like, yeah. you become part of someone's family. And so that dynamic is, is important. And just to reverse it for the artists that are on and probably interested in what are some of the things that they should look for in choosing um, a manager? There's been the uh, discussion around they make a commission or, oh, this person is going to tell me I need to pay them right up front for the work that they're going to do for me. So uh, what are some of your thoughts around that in terms of what artists should look for in a, a good manager? Feel free uh, to gloat if you think you do something really well as, as a manager that is important. I think, I mean, I think it's the similar things. Like I think, I mean, it's not gonna be the same for every artist. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for an artist to look at what their goals are and who they are as an artist and what's important to them. Yeah. I definitely think values alignment is really important because that's the quickest thing to fall down if you're signing with the wrong label or management or any mm -hmm. team. Um, so I think that's like kind of the first thing. Um, and then depending on where you are in your career, like how are they, how is this person going to get you to the next step? Like, is it their experience? Is it their contacts? Um, is it their network? Mm -hmm. Just, yeah. I mean, do you like them? Like, I know it sounds so like, yes, it is a business, but like, do they believe in you? Are they going to like make, like when you, when you release your song and it does nothing and it's great, are they going to make you feel good? Are they going to be a cheerleader? Are yeah. they going to figure out how to do this better next time? Like what, like, cause this is someone who's like Troy was saying, you're, we're going to be in the war room together. We're going to be, there's going to be highs and lows. Like, mm -hmm. is there that, that synergy? Um, I think you obviously want someone who is business minded. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of the other things are like, it's, it's really specific to an artist and their goals draw anything from you on that yeah just to piggyback off of what Katrina said is the vibe has to be right right mm -hmm. you know as a manager this is a 24 7 business trust me my phone because you got to understand when when you're when you're when you're taking on an artist's responsibilities that's me like basically just backing you up 24 7 going to war for you you know, telling you, you know, fighting against, you know, execs, like you need to go with this guy, this is, or girl or female, this is the person mm -hmm. that you need to, you know, be in place with, right? You got to find someone that really, really believes in you. They believe in your talent and they're not going to take no for an answer, yeah. right? That's what you really need in terms of, of management because, a lot of people, they could say that they're a manager, but like a manager is like, you got to go through a lot of portals in this music industry. I'm telling you, like, and I haven't even been through all the portals yet. Right. You know, so we've been there. We've sat in a lot of rooms and people said, no, it's not baked yet. It's not ready. It's not done. But you have to have someone who's business savvy as well as you have to know, have someone when, if you ever do make it to that, um, you know, 
where someone is saying here, here's half a million dollars or here's $2 million for your intellectual property, your manager knows what they're doing in regards to, hey, I'm not looking for me first. I want to make sure that my artist is taken care of. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not shelved or, or, or there's a problem. And then they're looking for a new art, um, looking for new management, which happens a lot. Right. Yeah. So those are some of the things that I feel that are very important. Um, as Katrina said, it's more me. I want to I want to connect with someone and, and 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 make sure that, like, you know, we're on the same page. I don't want it to just be a business relationship. If I'm, if, if I'm your manager, there's there there's still some type of friendship there but like the business is always first but you know we still we we can look back on our life and be like hey man we or you know we did a lot you know we did a lot together and that's what I'm looking with a lot of my artists right now it's like you remember the process of you know us starting you know performing only in front of five people and now look we're performing in front of 500 people right so you want to have someone that really has your 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 best interests at heart yeah. right not looking at you as a check look at someone that really loves your music you know knows all the words to your lyrics i know all the words to all my artists lyrics like i'm their number one fan to be honest with you <laughs> and then i'm pushing it on the world like you guys gotta listen to yeah. these people here right so that that's the most important thing for sure I see that we have some questions. We'll get to them shortly because we are approaching the question and answer period. Um, But the other thing I wanted to talk about is, so you've decided that this person or um, both the artist and the manager have decided that this could work. This is something that we do want to jump into. What is the process after that, um, after you've both kind of chosen to work with each other? I mean, logistically or I don't know. Like, what does it look? So, uh, like you managed Tika, I'm familiar with Tika, so I'll use her as an example. Uh, once you kind of decided that, yeah, this is a relationship that we want to pursue in terms of artist and manager, what were the next steps for you? What, how do you determine what the next step is for you and the artist together um, with you being their manager? Um, I think, again, it does still depend on the artist. So, for example, if an artist is a songwriter as well as a producer or is the mm-hmm. artist, like where are they in their career? Where are they in their project? Um, it's mostly downloading their, like all of their work, their life, like yeah. kind of getting into their world. It's a process to like kind of get up to speed on everything. And then mm-hmm. um, again, kind of like going through the process of what their goals are, what their values are. Um, and the values part is like, for our relationship, but also for like, if we're going to be looking at brand partnerships, I need to know if there are brands that you definitely wouldn't want to work with, or if we're building our team, like what's important to you? Like, do you only want to hire women, for example? Like those are things I need to know. Mm -hmm. Um, Or or things that we decide together. Like, um, so I think it's like really like a down, it's like a downloading process of like downloading everything yeah um and then creating a strategy but like sometimes when I've signed an artist it's like they're in full creative mode so like it's not as urgent to create the release strategy then when it's just about like getting them in the studio with different people like maybe they've always been working with the same people for a long period of time like I do actually I can give an example I have an artist who um she had been working with a lot of like great producers but like all kind of older white male 
producers who've done some great work, but she's a young queer Jewish artist who like, so she was in the studio with people who couldn't necessarily relate to what she was doing mm -hmm. or her experience. So like we kind of, we shifted a lot of like things around, like who do we want to have as the team around you? Like who do, who, let's just mix things up and put some different yeah. songwriters in the, in the room and put some different producers in the room and see what sticks, see what doesn't. But like, and even that process, I think, can give you confidence in terms of like your own, like how, how you, um, how you value your own art and your mm -hmm. own work and your own contributions. I don't really know if that answered the question. It, it does. <laughs> yeah, basically it depends on, on the artists and, and their goals and um, kind of where they want to go with their career is what you're trying to say. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Troy, anything from you on that? Yeah, I, I, I think, um, what Katrina and your question is kind of getting towards is like, look, as a starting artist, mm -hmm. you don't need no paperwork because I can't get 20% from you because you haven't grossed any revenue, right? What I would do is if an artist is coming to me, I would tell them like, look, this is like a, a development deal. We'll put some stuff on paper, whereas I won't take any money from you until, you know, I walk you through a portal where someone is looking to offer a substantial amount of income mm -hmm. um, in regards to you as an artist. But what I will do is I will handle your day-to-day. -day. So we'll handle your, your marketing, you know, um, paying for studio time or putting mm -hmm. up maybe half of the money for your studio time. Um, but I, uh, if I get you a show, I will, you know, I won't take any money off of the show because, you know, when you're starting up as a new artist, all the revenue that you receive, you got to throw it back into your career. It's like a burning fire, right? You want to make sure that that flame keeps rising, 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 rising until you fall on the eyes of people where they're like, whoa, who is this person? You know, they're rocking out shows. They're doing their things on platforms. You know, they might be getting editorial playlists on Spotify. You know, they've gotten a couple of partnership deals all right, now we want to take them and we feel that we could take them to the next level, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of like how it would look in regards to like, you know, an artist manage, management, uh, management, like, you know, partnership, right? Mm -hmm. But for the most part, when people are starting out, it's like, man, you're not even making any money. We're, I'm, I'm throwing money into your, I'm losing money, actually. So, but you know, once you get to that point, you want to make sure that, hey, all right, this is this is what's on paper. You know, the percentages are right. You're happy. I'm happy. And then, you know, let's continue to build yourself up as an artist. Right. And mm -hmm. and make sure that, you know, you're happy with how your career is moving and, and what's going on. Sounds good. I think we're just gonna um, hop into questions because we do have a few here and I think it plays right into that. Uh, so if you do have a question as an attendee, feel free to put it in the chat or in question and answer and we'll um, get to it as soon as we can. But just playing off what you were saying, Troy, uh, we have a question here. Uh, is there such a thing as a manager charging you too much? When is a good point to know if someone may be taking advantage of you? For sure. So if you're in the start of your career and someone is, you know, they're taking money off of you, definitely, I don't think that's good managerial skills. Mm -hmm. um, to be honest with you, I, I haven't taken 
a cent off of Patrick as of yet, right? Um, we, we've just closed a major deal, but at the same time, it, it's not there to a point where I feel like, hey, I should start dipping into the pot or taking money. I always want to keep reinvesting, you know, in your artist. And especially if you're doing it on a do-it-yourself approach, you have to, right? The difference between a do-it-yourself approach and dealing with a major is they already have marketing budgets set aside for you. They already have teams that are looking to handle your your single or your project, right? As opposed to when you're doing an indie, you want to make sure that you're just keeping, you know, you're keeping that fire alive that, you know, hey, I stepped through one portal. Now here's the next step. I want to be on radio. I want a radio campaign where my where my song is spinning on the hour, every hour, so that you know more people are following my brand, so they could fall upon me on maybe TikTok or or an mm-hmm. IG, right? Um, then when you start getting to the point where it's like, hey, we're dealing with serious money here, like you know, from this point forward, you know, if you're an artist and you're charging, you know, anywhere from like ten to you know twenty thousand dollars to maybe get your work done or a performance, then yes, that's when you know you start saying here, here's the twenty percent that, you know, this is my management fee, right? As opposed to if you're an artist and you're just starting off and someone is, hey, you do a show and you get $100 and someone is taking your money from $100, that's crazy. Like, don't do that. Let the artist keep the money. That money's supposed to be going into maybe merchandise or or um, studio time or, you know, buying the rights to your, to, to your beat, you know? Like, don't try to steal from your artist in the early beginning because you won't be rewarded when you know they do take you to that next level that's very important Katrina any thoughts from you um well I think I mean if someone's asking like what is a standard commission then I could say that like for an experienced manager it'd be 20 percent I don't think you want to pay anyone more than that Mm -hmm. Um, if it's the less experienced manager or someone who's not um, experienced at all and is a homie who's helping you out then I would Mm say 10 to 15 percent and I think in terms of like like I don't think you would pay a manager like cat like I think there's a difference between having a consultant who's helping you build your career Mm -hmm. and like a manager I think if someone is like if someone signed to my roster then I'm commissioning their revenue. But like, I do work with artists who are like young artists who, you know, don't have contacts and don't have contacts with producers and songwriters. Um, And we'll do like uh, a couple months, like it could be three months, could be six months. We'll do like a term, we'll have specific goals and they pay me for my expertise and I can connect them with people that they wouldn't have access to because for example, I can connect them with a producer that will do me a favor because they know that I'm putting them in the studio with Sean or Tico or somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it has to be that specific goal. Like it, it's, so I think there's a difference between like paying someone to help you with a specific service and a specific goal. But I do also think you have to be careful of who that person is. Like yeah. someone who's done it before, it shouldn't just be like, you know, someone just shows up one day and is like, Hey, yeah payment give me all this money and i'll make you a star like <laughs> no in summary from both our panelists uh to our attendee that asked that question i think um both our panelists are kind of getting at if it's something where you guys have both decided that there's a relationship that you're going to be 
um, in going forward, then it's more for commission basis. So the manager makes money when you make money kind of yeah. thing. Um, but if you are just uh, taking someone on as a consultant, um, one-time thing or a short period uh, thing, then it would just be determining what your goal is and what would be a suitable, use your instinct, use your gut guys, <laughs> a suitable. Um, on either side, you yeah. need to have clear objectives and clear benchmarks. Mm -hmm. so like whether it's a short-term agreement or a long-term agreement, like what are your goals? What's important to you? What, what do you guys have to achieve together to know that it's working? Yeah. So there you go for that question. Um, I do have another one here. Katrina, maybe you're able to speak more directly to this. How would you go about approaching an artist overseas? So I'm assuming that Safia, uh, you're probably from a management perspective. How would you approach an artist who's overseas? Um, well, to be honest, I was not intending to manage anyone overseas until COVID happened. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> just because like you're, you're so involved in someone's life and world and like there's things you need to navigate and I just thought I can't manage someone overseas like I don't know how I would how I would do that um but a friend of mine is a Colombian artist and she's living in Spain and during COVID she was asked if I would manage her and I'm like I don't know if this is gonna like how would we do this mm -hmm. the time difference the language barrier, like not the language barrier between her and I but like she's a signed artist but like the contracts are in Spanish um like I can speak Spanish but I can't speak like legalese yeah <laughs> and I'm like is all of my correspondence gonna have to be in Spanish like I just don't know if this is gonna be a good idea but like I don't know COVID happened and it's just changed the way everyone works and the way everyone sees things and like now it's not a, like I can't be there for my artists who are here like I have the same relationship with her that I have with I mean that's half true. Like I am on set when we were shooting videos here, when like when Toronto opened back up. But other than that, my meetings are like my meetings with my clients here are like this. So it doesn't matter so much that, um, like I said, with Saul, she's in Spain and this mm -hmm. is how we connect and her label is in LA. So it's like there was already that she was already sort of navigating that time difference. Um, so I think for the person who asked the question, I think that what she, this person has going for them is that COVID has happened and it's no longer like this thing that's where someone would be like, what, I'm gonna have a manager in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I think, I, I mean, I know with when I signed Saul, she was like really excited to have a manager in, in another country. Like she was like, oh my God, this is gonna be so good. You're gonna like message people and they're gonna listen. <laughs> I guess there are advantages to that too, because you know you're accessing another. You have access to another market. Um, yeah, yeah. They probably wouldn't have had access to not being, you know, an artist that you have as a Toronto-based uh, manager. So I think there, there's probably an an advantage to that for her. Um, Safia, did we answer your question? Hope we did. Um, okay, she said yes. <laughs> so she said it's fine. Uh, another question that I did have here, I guess this one is more hands-on. Um, Troy, this may be for you. How would a rapper that uses 90s style rapping tips on how to stand music? 
from your management perspective. It, it kind of cut out a little bit. Can you try one more time? Oh, yeah, see. I just got a note saying my internet is unstable. Okay. Um, but, yeah, he's just asking, uh, as a rapper that uses a 90s style of rapping, um, what are some of the tips for being popular in this new era of hip-hop? So, like, a more hands-on, tangible Super tough <laughs> question. question. Super tough question, whoever wrote that. I mean, look. If you want me to give you the real answer to that, I mean, 90s rap is very niche market. Like, it's not what the youth are looking for right now. We're in a auto-tune approach right now where guys are more singing on tracks. Um, you know, the, the lyrics are important. But I feel that I haven't seen anyone really taking that approach. Maybe Corday. Maybe um, Corday is the last artist that I've seen that's blown out of a younger generation. But even Joey Badass is struggling too, right? Most of, the, most of what people are listening to in terms of hip hop is more like a little baby, you know, young thug, gonna, these kind of guys approaches where they're they're more melodic and harmonizing on tracks, right? But what I would say is there's still a market for 90s sound, but in terms of maybe blowing up on a major platform or having like a billboard hit, it probably not so as much. You're just going to kind of have to work with people that are more in tune to that sound, right? right? Where it would be more of a niche market kind of sound um, in regards to that. But in niche markets, there's still a lot of business, um, you know, when, when you're dealing with that because people are still searching for that sound, right? But in terms of like a mainstream platform, I, I think that it's going to be very difficult to get there with a 90s approach. Okay. Hope that answered your question, Sammy. Okay, so we have one here. Prior to finding a manager, how important would it uh, be to have an image for myself as an artist? Does a manager assist in helping an artist craft an image at all? Katrina, do you want to take this one off? Sure. I think, um, I mean, I think a manager should be able to help you do that, but it, it always originates from you. So yeah. um, they can certainly help you hone it. Like that's something I love doing myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the excitement. <laughs> but like, it does start with you. Like, I, like, cause I can't, I don't want to create something like an image. Yeah. Right. It's like, no, how do we like make your image more like succinct, like and your brand more succinct and like mm -hmm. concise for an audience to be able to like remember like immediately. So that's not like a whole all these hundreds of things you're trying to like portray. Mm -hmm. Like, no, we have to make it more concise. So I think it's great. But like I think that artists should always be kind of working on that because it, it will help mm -hmm. you always be able to build yourself and your own like identity, brand doesn't have to be perfect but yeah yeah you just hit on two more points that we've had <laughs> recurring in the last couple of workshops um knowing yourself and what's the knowing yourself having a network and treating yourself as a business i think are the three points that have been recurring in every workshop um so for those attendees that are on now you you may want to write that down somewhere um it seems to be part of the formula um, oh, we have an interesting question here. What would you say 
were some of your most memorable mistakes in the business? If you're okay with sharing probably uh, something that you learned from. <laughs> Troy, do you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes was um, I actually tried to bring uh, DJ Envy from The Breakfast Club. Actually, I did bring him down, but um, we brought him down to showcase Patrick and uh we didn't take the necessary steps to build the event it was my first event that I was trying to put on right like a like a club performance for PK well I didn't know the logistics and the marketing behind all of it right like um the setting up a venue doing radio promotion maybe not doing it as fast as I tried to do it I did it I tried to pull it off like in a month as opposed to I should have taken maybe three to six months to build the event up just to make sure that I had the proper equipment in the venue. Um, as Katrina said, I should have had maybe, I should have had like a, a set target. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I want maybe 400 people in the building, 500 people in the building. I have to build towards that and, you know, the next three to six months to get that done. What are the marketing tools that I'm going to have to use for that? Facebook, IG, radio. Yeah. Um, my costs going towards that, um, artists that maybe have a platform that could help me with that approach to bring people out to the, um, to the venue, all of those things were, are, are, are important, right? Um, when you're, when you're trying to set up for success in the music business, you have to be very analytical and you and and you have to build towards like an event you, unless you're a superstar if you're a superstar you could tweet hey i'm here and everybody's just gonna <laughs> run and jump right but like when you're dealing with indie artists it's not like that it takes time right so you have to take a little bit more of a, a analytical approach to make sure that you know you're getting what you want to do out there so that you know people can spread the word in in, in regards to making sure that you, you know you have a successful event cool. anything from you katrina uh, yeah i would say i don't know if i would call it a mistake so much as a learning yeah. um, <laughs> um to not work with assholes and i know that sounds probably simple but I think it's easy sometimes to convince yourself that sometimes someone's going to give you an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And even though maybe they're not someone you like, or, you know, mm -hmm. because maybe you've heard they've done some shiesty things. Um, but yeah, early in my career, when I started my company, I started it with Sean and we decided, we made it like, cause we had worked with a lot of assholes. We were like, we're not going to work with any more assholes. Okay. Okay. And like, seems again, it seems like such an obvious thing, but like things happen. You know, there's a great deal on the table from like, you know, someone who's doing big things or a label that's doing big things, but the person is like, not the person. It's hard. It, it's like, it, it comes back to values where it's like, because we had made that line in the sand, we were like, eh, no, but we're not going to do this because we know, we know. <laughs> and like, I think that, having done it before having like worked with assholes like i mean i'm simplifying things but like we're like no it's just not worth it like it's just not worth the, the thing the carrot that they're dangling it's just not worth it yeah yeah that's fine okay this person says just a general question 
Um, what advice would you give for someone who's trying to make an impact in the industry, but may have uncontrollable barriers such as a physical disability? Interesting question. Anyone want to tackle that one? Sure. I mean, look, if, you, if you're good at what you do, someone is going to say, hey, I, I, I need to use you, right? You know, if you can prove to a person like, hey, I could get this job done, whether I have a disability or not, I'm, I'm here to work hard. Um, I'm here to help. For sure, I don't see any problem with that. The only thing that I look at when I work with someone is, hey, like, are you going to put in the work? Because any entrepreneur is like, this is not easy, right? You know, you got to fight people to pay you. You got to run around. You got to make sure that, you know, you know what you're doing with your artists. So, like, if you're someone who's, you know, say like, hey, I have a, I have a disability, but I don't, I know what I'm doing. I don't think that people are gonna turn you down or, or look the other way. Um, it's 2020 right now, you know. Um, you, you gotta, you, we gotta drop those n the narratives, you know, of oh, this person has something wrong with them, or this person's this color, or this person's a female. No, if you get the work done and you do the work in a good way, and you know you're good at your job people are going to want to work with you regardless the matter of the fact you know there's going to be the oddball where a person might be like hey yeah no I don't but you don't want to work with those those people anyways as Katrina said that's that's an asshole and then that, that, that karma is coming to you you know being that type of person right so I, I would say just you know stick with it stick with it it's not an easy industry to crack guys definitely not but Stick with it and keep working on your craft. Like, and, and, and you know, people will find you. I think too, um, especially like being in 2020 now, uh, the industry has come a long way. Um, in one of our previous workshops, we were talking about how uh, against the norm it was for a female to be a producer. Um, and now we're in a place where there's so many females that are killing the producing game, um, have worked with really, big artists and that too is an uncontrollable barrier so I think uh to or attendee that asked that question I think you could also make it part of your story um and kind of use that to motivate people who may be facing the same thing because usually if you're facing something there's someone else out there who's going through the same thing um so I think that too just from people that I've seen kind of defy those barriers that um not just knowing yourself but accepting yourself and kind of making a part of um, put yourself and your brand out there. Uh, Katrina, any thoughts from you on that? Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that you said. That was very well said. Um, I think <laughs> that, it, I mean, it's, I would need a little bit more information, but um, mm -hmm. I think sadly that for women and people of color, we all know that we have to be twice as better, twice as good as everybody else. And I think that is the same for someone who has physical disability. Um, mm -hmm. That said, that's not to discourage you. That just means you keep working hard and surround yourself with good people, um, surround yourself with talented people. And, and I do think that it's definitely like to your point in 2020, different yeah. than it was five years ago, 10 years ago and, and longer. Um, I don't want to, I, I just didn't want to make it seem like it's just all like, you know, rosy and it's like, no, th yes, there are yeah. 
more women producers now. And yes, there are a lot of things happening and changing, but it, we, we haven't like there, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. And, and yeah. we're all, all, all of us here have to work twice as hard as everybody else. So mm -hmm. I think that's true for this person who asked that question. Yeah, I think that's also a really good point that you hit on. Um, not because you know and accept yourself means that everybody's gonna know and accept you. I mean, even Beyonce has people that hate <laughs> on her. Um, so just kind of, I guess, echoing from our previous workshops too, just having that kind of thick skin where you have to say, this is who I am and this is what I'm putting out there. And there are gonna be people, you know, as Katrina said, it's not gonna be all rosy. Um, even without barriers such as a disability or your race, or your gender, um, you're gonna face people who aren't into what you're putting out there. So it's just about how you combat that or ignore that if that's you know your strategy. Um, I think we kind of answered this question, but it says, what does a manager specifically do for an artist? Uh, I asked this because the first manager I had was giving me beats more or less and, and I was recording with him. Um, I was paying him too much. Okay, so I guess for Brandon, I, from what our panel, panelists have said, I think it kind of covers more of an, a manager finding out what your goals are um, and helping you to reach those goals, essentially. Uh, so whether that's connecting you with people, um, helping you with branding, um, and going back to the point of they are not just interested in you, they're invested in you um, because essentially, um, most managers do work off commission and that's kind of the expected norm. Um, so they make money when you make money. And it sounds more like a producer who was trying to be a manager um, as well. So you kind of have to, I think that's a good thing to address as well as this person trying to put themselves on, um, on the artistic side as well. Are you an artist working with another artist or are you an artist working with a business-minded person, as Troy pointed out earlier. So I think that would be a, a good thing to um, address as well. Anything from Troy or Katrina on that? No, I think you answered that well. Yeah, you answered that. I mean, <laughs> art managers do do that, like, but you try to stay out of the creative process. Like when I first started, I was sitting in on a lot of music sessions and, and and I still do to give them one like you know one or two pointers here or there but managers should more handle on the business aspects yeah. right as opposed to like giving you music and creative per, um direction that's a producer side if like you know yeah. someone who's ex executive producing your 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 work yeah yeah I think at the end of the day it comes down to you the reason you're trying to find a manager is to help you with the day-to-day -day aspect. Most artists kind of struggle with that business side and that like operation side of thing. Um, so if you're working with another artist, they're probably going through the same thing, trying to help you with the same thing. So I think that's where the problems come in. You, as you said, Brandon, end up doing it yourself. Um, so you do want to be wary of those kind of relationships as well. Uh, another question from Sammy. Uh, I don't know if we can directly answer this, 
um, in terms of who was the most egotistical artist. We don't want to put anyone in that kind of position, but um, I'll rephrase it. How do you, have you ever come across someone who was very uh, self-centered or egotistical? Um, and how did you work around that? How did you address that? We don't want to put anyone on, on spot. <laughs> hmm. I mean, I don't, I haven't worked with any, like, I mean, and maybe this goes back to the question we asked earlier on like who I would work with and when mm -hmm. I would not work with an egotistical artist. It's too much. Yeah. So like I haven't worked with anyone who in that way. And I feel like when, then when you rephrase the question and said who, like, how have you, what did you say? How did you navigate around someone who was- oh, Kind of how you work around that. Yeah. yeah very those egos have been artists. I think those egos have been like club promoters or- label executives mm -hmm. they have been other parts of the industry that have tripped me up yeah. and had to navigate it hasn't been i'm not saying that there aren't artists who are egotistical i'm just saying i don't manage them <laughs> so <Yeah>. like <laughs> have not been on that level it's been somewhere it's been yeah yeah now, now that i think about it it has mostly been like club promoters interesting yeah. try anything new uh I mean, in this industry, you got to have thick skin, right? Uh, we, we've come across a lot of people. I, uh, PK did a show in uh, Montreal. He actually opened up for Cameron. I wasn't there, but I was like, hey, I'm like, PK, you know, try to go and get a picture with Cameron in the back or whatever. And Cameron would just was like, I'm like, I know Cameron's not going to do it just because like, you don't, when you're dealing with artists, it's like, I'd say when the camera's on, they have to have a certain kind of like persona, right? Like when you're dealing with artists, like I'm better than everybody or you guys are coming here to see me on my platform, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you're going to deal with a lot of cocky people or confident people, you know, it is what it is. Um, I think that that approach is now is going to start dying with the whole artist model. Because what we're seeing now is a lot of these people that we think that are famous and, and they're getting all this money, they're only moving like 30,000 units. And it doesn't make sense. Like, so there's a disconnect there, right? Yeah. Whereas you look at more people who are taking the humble approach, yeah. reaching out to their artists, thanking their art, not reaching out to their, you know, their clients or people who believe in their music saying, hey, thank you for taking the time to come out. To my show i know that you know mm -hmm. this is a hard time and you're still giving me money to support you know my goals and my dreams you we're gonna have to start taking that approach moving forward i feel like the whole celebrity thing is dying right that mm -hmm. narrative is dying and it's gonna die with this covid situation because i i feel that COVID, this is just the beginning for COVID, right it's it's gonna be maybe a two three year process and they also already said um, shows are the last things that are coming back before we even, you know, we get, you know, the vaccine and all of that stuff. And that's going to hurt a lot of people, right? It's going to hurt a lot of people in regards to that. But um, yeah, you're, you're, you're always dealing with egos. When you're dealing with millions of dollars in an industry that's, you know, a billion dollar industry, you're going to be dealing with egos, especially on the higher level, right? So yeah, but you got to be confident, be confident, be confident yourself to know, know why you're here. Yep. know your purpose and you'll be fine you'll be able to deal with those kind of people okay any other questions 
We're coming up on 7.30. Go in. Go in. Gone. Okay. Uh, so we just want to give our panelists an opportunity to kind of gloat about what they're doing. Um, anything they want to make you aware of. Uh, Troy, anything? I know you just had that, like you said, the distribution uh, partnership yeah. coalition. Anything else that we can look out for from for sure um anyone who's listening um if you're watching on tv you'll see the tiktok canada commercial high end um please go follow my artist x10pk um go stream high end it's on spotify it's on all channels i, I think that it's going to be on flow 935 as well too um not too long uh i think we just worked that out also, uh, my, my other artist, my up-and-coming artist, 1K Grizzy, we just dropped his um, EP, debut EP, uh, last month uh, called Hollywood Grizzy. You'll be able to find him on all social platforms, 1K Grizzy. So that's one, the number 1K, and then G-R-I-Z-Z-Y. Um, he's definitely an up-and-coming artist that we have that we've been working and putting a lot of time into. Um, also, we're working on a mixtape. I believe uh, Sean is working on a, a mixtape with a, a new artist under X10 called X10 Uza. She's a female artist, so we're going to be working with her, developing her career as well, too. And um, that's it. That's 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 the gist of the things that we got going on right now. I actually just connected with uh, with Uza a couple months ago. <laughs> so we yeah. happened to, uh, there's a track that a friend and I did um well he made the track I laid down some vocals and then they ended up doing the cypher for manifesto uh she was on that cypher for manifesto with that same beat so we ended yeah, up yeah. while we're disconnecting she killed it she killed it yeah. um it was it was yeah. so good yeah, so good. yeah 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 um, anything from you Katrina um yeah so Tika just dropped a single last week called sideways so people can check that out uh, and she'll be dropping another single next month because uh, mm -hmm. we're leading up to dropping her debut album in February. Nice. Uh, Kayla just dropped her single two weeks ago and we have another single dropping next month as well. And same mm -hmm. thing leading up to more music in the new year. Uh, and Sean just recently started a new project with his best friend Tebe, who's a country artist. So they created this duo called Radio Club Mm -hmm. so they um just dropped the single as well um called love Go love goes when it's gone um yeah and then i just dropped their i just dropped their yeah. handles in the chat yeah um, um if you mind just put in uh, i guess you too troy all your handles they are on the poster that we posted but i did see a question asking for social media handles um just so that people can kind of see what you guys are doing on social media. And for attendees, I'm about to put the uh, AfroWave email. You can just email me at operations at afrowave.to.com. Um, for any questions about the workshop, I know our panelists may send me resources as well um, for you guys. So you can email me there if you uh, wanted to have that. Okay. All righty. see. Um, Katrina, I don't know if you wanted to, I guess because I'm aware of it <laughs> as a Honey Jam alum, um, the, your program, your classes that you had for, for artists, I know I've seen 
a couple yeah, of have, well I have a um an online school so mm -hmm. I have like a release strategy program for artists and then I recently launched a branding course because like the first half of the release strategy course is branding anyways but I just found mm -hmm. so many artists were going through it and really connecting with it and weren't necessarily ready for to release so I now have a branding course as well um that people can um just go through and it really helps you identify your brand and your aesthetic and your identity and identify your values and all the things that we've been talking about. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So I think that's a good note to end it on. Next week, we will be speaking with uh, Quincy, find Quincy on Instagram, Quincy Morales, um, just on his journey as an independent artist, just some of the tips and tricks um, and lessons that he learned along the way to kind of help um, the, our attendees, you know, start establishing that foundation to kind of gain the same success and buzz that he has. Um, so I would love to see everyone there. Um, the link is already up on Eventbrite, but it will be in our Afrowave TO um, bio as well. And I'll just put that handle in here in case you didn't join from Instagram. Alrighty, thank you to our panelists. Thank you so much for all your information um, and knowledge that you've shared with us and your experience and also the attendees. There is no event without you. It'd be really boring kind of just talking to, to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Also, and I thank you and thank you for being um, an engaging group as well. All right, everyone. Yeah. Being a great host. And thanks. Yeah, <laughs> great questions, everybody. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure meeting all you guys and Definitely, hopefully, once this COVID thing is done, we could just keep building the industry, you know, in Toronto and Canada as well. So mm -hmm. it's awesome. All righty, everyone, have a good night. Thank you so much.